got a challenge between the first service and the second service. My glasses broke, so I've done a men patch-up, so this is going to be interesting. So, Right across the bridge, so there we go. I can see you, but I'm, reading will be fun. Um, so, anyway, there we go. They're going on and off. Um, just say, nice to be back home. No place like home. Uh, as you know, most of, us, uh, most of you know, I've been traveling quite a bit over the last few months um, and uh, teaching people about Jesus and the freedom he brings and miracles and all that stuff and been, uh, yeah, definitely out there doing the stuff that we do here. And um, so I've been in uh, Holland, the Faroe Islands, South Africa, America, various places around the, the UK. And um, yeah, pouring out and receiving. And on my, tr- on my travels here and there, I f- found a great church, um, which it's interesting. When I was in, in, I was in Bethel just recently speaking at their Heaven in Business conference about Heaven in Healthcare, and, uh, and I was talking to an American guy and, um, who uh, married to an English lady in there, uh, really trying, considering getting back to, to live in the UK, and he was talking to somebody in Texas, and uh, I'm not quite sure how the name came up, but Eastgate's name came up, and this is a report from Texas, so that's the place where miracles happen. Um, so, well, okay, that's, that's kind of cool. So... Anyway, so all my, all my travels, this, this, this amazing church I found is called Eastgate. And uh, I do love being back home. Obviously, I've had great experience out there. This is really, I've got very focal lenses and I'm very, very focal right now. So this, and, uh, but other stuff, great stuff. Last week, we, we welcomed people here from around Europe. If it looks weird, it does look weird from my angle, trust you. Um, and um, we welcomed people from around the nation. They, they love being here. And I think... One of the things that was just uh, impressed them, in the sense had an impression on them, and not just you know, we're not out just to impress people, was was the all-age worship last Sunday, and when they thought, wow, wow, that so it really is normal. Your kids do that. That that means it's normal. So it is normal to pray, prophesy, see God do signs and wonders. This is this is normal Christianity. Um, and the other side of things is, is uh, heaven and healthcare has been developing. I was out. I'd say in Bethel, speaking at their Heaven in Business conference about Heaven in Healthcare and how normal Christianity invades our everyday lives. It's, it's normal to be a Christian wherever you are. You know, I, don't, I said I don't, I don't turn on and off being a Christian. It's just normal wherever I am to do whatever God's put inside of me. And, and that went down well. Um, as a result of that, there was a, a doctor who's a German guy um, uh, doing the Bethel School, second year there, and I had a chat for, with him for about an hour. And, he says when he gets back in next May to Germany, he wants to start having in healthcare in Germany. Um, it's developing in, in Johannesburg, so it is, it's quite extraordinary. Um, and last time I was preaching in here, at the beginning of September, I was talking about God always wants to give you more than you'd ask or imagine. Remember that? Uh, well, I'm coping with the more than we'd ask or imagine with Johannesburg, Germany, USA, and other places, and what God's doing through us. Um, this week we've got healing school coming up, Thursday, Friday with Wacky Nevins and next Friday evening and Saturday we'll be hosting a lot of people from around the, the world of health and that's uh, it's exciting, eh? So, thanks for being Eastgate. I love being home. It's definitely for me the best church in the world and 
without a doubt. So, so you, you don't need to worry about sending me out there and losing me. I'm just <laughs> happy being home. And, um, and then I've been following the, um, the series on Galatians, uh, not wearing an American football helmet. Um, <laughs> uh, could have tried to borrow it. I'm not sure if I would have gone with the glasses either, but there we go. And, um, but just following through it. And it is a beautiful, beautiful uh, book of the, of the Bible. It's one of my ones I go back to probably as often as any other. Um, and in the past, it's one that God's spoken to me very clearly through. And um, hopefully from chapters 1 and 2, which we've covered in today's, starting on chapter 3, you've got the idea that there's a battle on out there. There's a battle for freedom. Uh, there's a battle for the truth of the gospel. And um, it's a battle that still is raging around us. And it probably ranges within Christianity. What is the truth of the gospel? What, what gospel are we preaching? And are we creating environments of freedom or religion? Um, and, you know, in, the, in chapter 2, you've, you've got the story of Paul uh, confronting Peter. Um, Peter is down there um, and uh, he's, he's, he's eating with the, the Gentile believers. And then the circumcision group come to town and, and he stops eating with the Gentiles. Um, and... Uh, <coughs> Paul rebukes him because he's not acting in line with the truth of the gospel and pulls him back. But I'm just saying, it's fascinating, isn't it, how easy it is to get pulled back into to, uh, religion, slavery, and how attractive it is. It says even Barnabas was, was led astray. Barnabas, who'd fought the fight for freedom of the gospel um, with Paul when they went up to the Council of Jerusalem in, in Acts, Acts chapter 15. It says even Barnabas was led, led astray by, by their hypocrisy. And, um, you know, just, just imagine Peter shrinking back from the truth of the gospel, back into legalism. Um, and it's particularly over, would he, would he eat with, with, with Gentile believers? Now, um, <clears throat> I, want, I just want to say, the fear of man is a powerful enemy uh, that will keep attacking you if you, and it, it, you have to resist it all the time. Um, and if you, if you look through Peter's life, you would have thought he had enough experience to to beat it you know so most of us think that some extraordinary experience on a rooftop in Joppa where God drops down a sheet out of heaven and shows you that you need everything um, should be enough you know if you, if you, in, you know, in order to, 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 to in Acts chapter 10 in order to open up the, the, the Gentile world to the gospel Peter has this experience with God where God says right eat this stuff and Peter like a good Jew says no I've never eaten that stuff I'm not going to and God persuades him. Three times it says, so God works hard to persuade him. And we will come back to that story a bit later. But um, so, so having that, you know, he, he shrunk back. You think you thought Jesus denied. You know, Jesus told Peter that he would deny him. Uh, Peter would deny Jesus. Three times, not just once, three times. Um, and I love that story because it's, it's, if you read it carefully, you see that Jesus is not, Telling Peter that so he can avoid doing it. You would have thought, actually, most of us would take that warning. And Peter said, no, I won't do it. I won't do it. And Jesus said, yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. No, I won't. No, I won't. Yeah, you will. No, I won't. Yeah, you will. Trust me, you will. Well, not trusting him, but he did. And, <clears throat> and so one of those stories is amazing because, you know, Jesus knows your failures even before you do them. And he still tries to restore you. That's grace. Yeah? 
So having had that one, then get behind me, Satan. That was another experience for Peter. You know, denying him, you know, the sheet out of heaven. Peter is still vulnerable to the fear of man. Okay, now what will drive away all fear? Perfect love. So actually, there are answers for it. So, so you can see here, and what, what um, Paul challenges Peter about is that he's not, no longer acting in line with the truth of the gospel. So it's a question I want to just throw out there for you. What, what, are your, what is the gospel you would, you would share with somebody? What's the good news you would share with somebody tomorrow morning if they, they came to you and say, um, I've heard about this Christianity, Jesus, I think I want to be saved. What would you do? How, what, how would that encounter go? Well, how would that, that process happen with you? Are you equipped to take somebody into the fullness of the truth of the gospel? Next question. You're not quite sure, are you? So, so. Well, that's, that's where we're going today. And Paul says, right, we'll answer this with one question. So if we... Oh, no, actually don't, yeah, bring it up, but then we go. So if you had to ask one question, just one question which would actually show that you were proclaiming the fullness of the gospel and that the people who were responding to Jesus were living in the fullness of the, of, of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what would it be? Well, this, this, this tells you the answer. So it says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now, that's not, um, that's not nice language. I think we've, we've come across this. It, this. This book is not a polite book. Paul is not being polite. He's saying, actually, guys, you've got witchcraft happening. You're under a spell. You're under, you know, you're under the influence of evil. Yeah. That's what he's saying. <laughs> you've, got, you've got a different spirit affecting you. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Now, you might think, well, that's a bit unnecessary. The reality, why he's saying that is that you know, you are, you are very clear that Jesus was crucified. Um, and <clears throat> Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That is the evidence of, of God's love. And it's the evidence of a sacrificial uh, love and the sacrifice by Jesus Christ to pay the price for us to enter into the fullness of all he has for us. Okay? So what, what, what did Jesus gain for us through this sacrifice? Okay, that's, 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 that's what we, what's been asked, okay? So I'd like to learn just one thing from you. So here's the question. Paul boils it down to one question to make this as simple as, as you could, could be. He says, this is the question. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So how do you receive the Holy Spirit? It's not a difficult question. I think it's quite straightforward there. So, you receive, you receive the Holy Spirit because Jesus paid the price and he's promised him to you and you receive him. You can't work for him. Well, you can't work to get him. <clears throat> the only reason we have the Holy Spirit inside us is because Jesus has made that possible. But having made it possible, is it our reality? Because this is what it goes on to say next. Are you so foolish after begin, beginning by means of the Spirit, or by beginning uh, by the Spirit, are you now trying to finish? Is it, finish it? it is the one, yeah. Yeah, by means of the flesh. Or the, another version of it says, are you now trying to uh, meet your, your, your sort of targets by your own efforts? 
says, are you, are you, right, having started in the spirit, do you actually then go into working to try and out, get, get, you know, this, this working in your life? Now, I think what we've already decided is that works is, 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 is not grace. Can you achieve miracles by working hard? No, you can't. It doesn't matter how hard you work. It goes on to say this, okay? So, have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? The answer is the same, basically. So, so the, the way that you actually <coughs> receive the spirit and work miracles is by belief, not works. <laughs> Makes it too easy, doesn't it? It's almost like, ah! So I've, I've, I remember actually a number of years ago, um, I was asked to start working with 20 different churches across Kent, uh, churches in France, Gibraltar, Cyprus, one or two other places. And, and I set off with this work with, with great gusto and enthusiasm, often using Galatians as my pre- preaching uh, tool around the gospel and freedom and the spirit. And, um, and so I was, doing, I was doing a heck of a lot of work for God, it was, and I was doing really well in my eyes. And, um, and I sat down one, one Saturday morning, realized I was getting a little bit tired, and so, and think, oh, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, when I've really had great quality time with God recently. So I sat down, had a cup of coffee with God on this Saturday morning, sat down in my chair, and just in my sitting room, read through, started reading through the whole of Galatians, reading chapters one and two, thinking, yes, 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 those Galatians are stupid. <laughs> How stupid can you be trying to start off and then you know, going away from the gospel? They really were idiots. And I got to verse, verse 3, are you so foolish? And God said, hello, I'm speaking to you. And I thought, no, no, not me, because I, I preach this stuff to everybody else. This is, this is a, <laughs> and he said, he said, no, he spoke to me, he said, he said Pete, Pete, you're being foolish. Why? Because you're, you're trying to work for me rather than with me. You're trying to do the work of God without being with God. It was a really, it, it, it was one of those lessons. Ah, yeah. See, you, it's possible to preach it and not do it. That's called hypocrisy. And God brought me up pretty fast. And um, so, so the question I really want to look at today is why is the receiving the Holy Spirit the most important question? So if we can bring up John 14, verse 12. Okay. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. That, that's, that's normal Christian life. Whoever believes. Do you believe in Jesus? Yeah. So does this apply to you? Okay. Then Jesus says, okay, this is going to happen. There's a because there. Because I am going to the Father. What's that got to do with? Well, Jesus was really clear that the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out until he had gone back to the Father to be glorified. The outcome of Jesus going back to the Father was that we were able to receive the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said to his disciples, look, it's better for you that I go because I will send the Holy Spirit. He's a promised Holy Spirit. So... Because I, I remember early on in my Christian life being taught that you couldn't really believe that. You because know, you, you know, not really. Because who are we to think we could do the works of Jesus? 
especially greater works, because actually, surely, Jesus is the greatest one. <coughs> and that, that, there's no doubt about that. But actually, Jesus didn't say, right, you're going to do it. He goes, basically, I'm going to do it through my power of my Holy Spirit in you and through you. Now, that, that is Christianity. Jesus, Jesus came to earth with a mission. He was, definitely, he was sent with a very specific purpose, and then he was quite clear when it was finished. It is finished. He was clear when his job was done. <clears throat> but he was going to hand on the responsibility to another part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. See, we live in the era of the activity of the Holy Spirit on the earth. Um, and sometimes I ask, you know, the question, and I understand people's response, but I say to you, you know, who lives inside you? Most Christians' response is Jesus, which is sort of true, but actually it's not the truth, I don't think. The answer is actually the Holy Spirit lives inside you. Now, I know they're all one, and this, that, and the other, and Jesus said, we'll come and make our home, I and the Father will come and make our home with you. So, so don't, get me, don't get too hung up on it. But the reality is that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that we're as confident in the Holy Spirit as we would be if we had Jesus standing here with us right now. So, okay. So I believe we live in a time when we are actually in the mission of the Holy Spirit on planet, planet Earth, and we're taught to... To walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, and all that stuff. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So actually, freedom is defined by Him and His presence. And again, I teach this. Freedom isn't defined by the absence of things. It's defined by the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. So, so when we, we define our gospel by getting rid of stuff, we are not living in the fullness of it. And I'll come on to that a bit more. So, so freedom is defined by where the Spirit of the Lord is. I have heard some different definitions of it. Even recently, I think, hmm, once you add a, different, once you add a, a component of works onto to freedom, then what have you ended up with? Yes, you, you, you're doing exactly what Galatians is telling you not to do. Once we had to say, oh, right, for, well, actually, you'll know you're really free if you do this, 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 this. You understand? It's, or if if you if you no, if you do that, if you do that, you'll really you'll really be free. If now that is exactly what Galatians is telling you is not freedom. Freedom is is extraordinarily radical <laughs> concept in the gospel that we we get to live in freedom and we get to set others free. <clears throat> also, the outcome of, of of our belief is is naturally supernatural. God won't just give you the Holy Spirit; He'll work miracles amongst you. Um, and for me, the, probably the easiest example of this is the, the lady with the hemorrhage. So the lady with the hemorrhage, <coughs> she did do something. She, she, she decided she needed to touch Jesus, and then she would get healed. So her, the only work she did was pushing through to make sure she touched Jesus. Now, sometimes we have to push, push through to touch Jesus. The question is, did, did Jesus try hard to, to heal her? No, he didn't even know she was there. He didn't try at all. You get this? Somebody at the back is going to have a little bit of fun on there. It's <laughs> a nice, little tune. This is really important to understand. Jesus didn't work at doing miracles. 
he worked at his relationship with his father which is when it says about these, these types come out by prayer and fasting. That, that's, that's him actually, how he interacts with his dad in France. He didn't suddenly go into prayer and fasting mode when pre- presented with, a, with somebody who was sick or demonized. He already had it in the, in, in the bank because his connection was strong. Jesus didn't try, have to try and heal people. He didn't try to do it. He just used his authority to do it. So we've got a healing school coming up this week. Two days. <clears throat> A lot of people coming, hoping that they're going to get some techniques. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my, you know, just give us, a, give us this 10-step plan to healing. You know? uh, so as long as we can follow that, we'll follow, we'll know what we're doing. Then, yes, but, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Because if I follow that, I don't actually need God, do I? Jesus didn't do techniques of healing. So, Okay. So what is the ultimate outcome of the gospel being proclaimed? It is that people receive the Holy Spirit. Now why is this, why is, again, keep on, why is this important? Well, let's have a quick look at, at some references in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 37. 38-39, says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, again, I think sometimes when classically preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ has led people to a place of forgiveness of their sins, which is part of this story, but it's not the end of the story. So when, when we preach a gospel that just take, takes people to, to the forgiveness of their sins, then they, that is the full expectation of Christianity for them. It's keeping clear of sin. It's actually, if necessary, circle around and get forgiven again. Which is <coughs> So the outcome of this <coughs> is that Peter expected them to receive the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, when he was talking about Jesus, he said that he's the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And uh, John, in uh, John chapter 7, uh, Jesus even talks about himself, that whoever believes in me will have a river of living water flowing within them. So, so it was never left just at the idea that your sins will be forgiven and then sometime you'll get taken to heaven. That's, that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. So... I want to just give you a quick rundown on how I actually approach sharing the gospel to people. And it's very simple, okay? And then we'll come into a little bit of practicalities on that. So, here's the good news in a nutshell. Jesus is God. Always has been, always was. And there's a Father and there's a Holy Spirit. Okay? No trouble? Virgin birth. God became man. Really important. In a sinless form. So Jesus actually then lived a sinless life now he lived a sinless life as man who was god but not as god this is quite important to understand um how do i know that <coughs> that jesus didn't overcome temptation as god because yes but also because the bible tells you god can't be tempted it's in, the, it's in the book of james god cannot be tempted so jesus did, could, could not have overcome temptation as god he overcame temptation as a human being That gives us courage, doesn't it? Yeah. If you think he did it as God, then whew, good for Jesus. Oh. <coughs> so, 
So he lived a sinless life. He then died on the cross because, because he was sinless, he was able to carry our sins. So Jesus didn't die for his own sins. If he'd been a sinner, he would have only been able to die for his own sins. This is not too deep, is it? This is, this, uh, sorry, sorry. Jesus died for our sins, a sacrificial death, and Jesus is not a forgiven sinner. That's really important. Jesus, Jesus carried the sin of the whole world. He, he, he took the punishment for all of us so that we could be forgiven. Now, as I say, the danger is that we stop preaching the gospel at that moment in time, and all we end up with is forgiveness. Now, it's great. That's, it's important. It's, now, this is part of the story. But if we stop there, because what did Jesus do? Where, where did Jesus go after he'd been on the cross? Okay, he went down. Why, why did he go down there? Not because actually he was going to participate in punishment in hell. Yeah, he went down there to get the keys. He went back. <laughs> Who's stolen the keys? Devil. So he didn't just go and forgive us our sins. Having done that, he went down there, not because he was being punished in hell. He went down to get the stuff back. And he comes back with the keys, which is authority. And he's alive. So after he'd been down there, what's next? He's raised from the dead. So when Jesus is raised from the dead, what is on offer is life. The outcome of the gospel is life is on offer. Now, if we make that a religious life, I suggest you... Most people are not attracted by it. If it's life in all its fullness, according to Jesus, with authority over all aspects of darkness and Holy Spirit inside you, that sounds more attractive. <laughs> this, is, this is gospel. So, so he goes down, he comes back, he's raised from the dead so that we have life. That's not the end of the story, is it? Raised from the dead, he then ascends to the Father's side. Who does he take with him? Us. So we get to sit with him in heavenly places. Woo! This side, of, this side of the forgiveness, there's quite a lot going on in the gospel, which I think is the essence of the good news. We get to be seated with him in heavenly places, and from there, he pours out the Holy Spirit. So in our earthly existence on planet Earth, we can be the image of God. Wow! Wow! <laughs> because we've got the Holy Spirit inside me. You know, inside, I'm, well, I've certainly got him inside me. I hope you've got him inside you. Because he's fun to have inside, I tell you. Woo! He's my river. He's my source of joy. Now, again, what I do is, this is really important. So when people become, are born again, we need to take them, not just through forgiveness, but this understanding that they've got life, they've got authority, and they've got power, and they've got gifts. They've got an indwelling Holy Spirit. So, I, you know, I, I, I go to a lot of, around loads of places, I go to lots of meetings. Um, sometimes I think too many meetings, but pop, pop that, I'm just going to have a little drink of water. <laughs> and... Um, And in quite a lot of places, I get invited to have more of God, which I don't mind. But sometimes I think I get a bit frustrated when people keep on pleading with, for more of God when they've already got Him. Now I want to experience more of Him, but I don't need more of His essence in my being because I have the full job. 
If you're born again, you actually have the Holy Spirit living inside you. Which, so, not before, um, this is, hear me right. Therefore, I have everything inside me to not just meet all my needs, but to change the world. What happens when we, we just stop at the point of forgiveness? What's, what, what do Christians believe? Well, they believe they're forgiven. They don't believe they can change the world. Or even it's the mission. It's still God's mission. The Holy Spirit inside us is a vital outworking of the gospel. And it's not just that he comes to visit you. Again, this is one of the things I've been looking at recently, and I know there's some, some pretty... Uh, hefty, I would say great good prophecies out there just talking about the difference between uh, a visitation and a habitation so I, I don't ask God to visit me ever I don't plead with him to come because he's here he's, he's inside me and he's not getting out now don't get me wrong, I want more of God and I want to experience things and I can experience things from other places, but I don't come out of a desperate, I have to keep going to something to give me a, give me a fix of God. I have a river inside me. And if we don't preach this gospel for us, then people will keep on looking for Christian experiences to top up their Christian life rather than live out of a confident fullness of God. He lives in me. He's not... He's, he, he, <laughs> So, and I say, you won't get people healed by pleading with God. You won't do miracles that way. You'll do miracles because you believe the Holy Spirit's inside you, and he's really good at it. He doesn't have to try to heal the sick. He just does it. If we can touch him, get people to touch him, it'll happen. There will be a power exchange. We don't have to work at it. Once we think we've got to work at it, where are we? We're sitting on the wrong side of the cross. We go back into works. Okay. I already mentioned that, that in, um, when Peter went to Cornelius' household, you know, God had persuaded him to go, and he goes along. And when he's there, it's in Acts chapter 10, but um, we'll see that they received the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Actually, God poured out Holy Spirit upon them while Peter was still preaching. I'm not quite sure what he was preaching, but God said, I think I've had enough of that. Well, let's... Let, 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 let's make sure they get the fullness. We don't want any, any of your Judaism flipping over into this, Peter. Um, and uh, so they received the Holy Spirit, and it said they started to speak in tongues and uh, praising God. Then in verse, um, sorry, chapter 11, what you find is that, that Peter went back. Uh, so chapter 11, so verse 1. Uh, yep, okay. So that's, that's what comes... When Peter went back to Jerusalem, the other believers and the other apostles criticized him. Do you know why they criticized him? doesn't tell you. Oh, we have this here. Why? You went into the house of some uncircumcised men and met with them. What's the problem? They've still got works. They've got rules and regulations as part of their gospel. So they criticized Peter because he's, he didn't apply the rules of Jewish eating to the gospel. So they were still stuck. <clears throat> okay. Go, go further down. Let's go to verses 17 to 18. Here we go. 
So, this was a conclusion. Okay, so Peter's explaining all that went on, what, what the process was. He says, so if God gave them the gift he gave us, who, uh, who believed in Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could stand in God's way? So basically, Peter's explanation is, you know what? Holy Spirit came upon them. These guys go, oh, when they heard this, they had no further objections. You didn't have to battle around, well, we can eat this or we can't eat that. We can't. No, the evidence was... Boom! Holy Spirit came. This was the evidence of the gospel that overcomes, should overcome all objections. And they says, and pray God saying, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance. Now, repentance that leads to what? Yeah! Woo! <laughs> Not just repentance that leads to forgiveness. He's granted them repentance that leads to life in all its fullness in the power of the Holy Spirit, with the gifts of the Spirit. So when we preach to people the gospel, we should always end up with them being filled, empowered by the Holy Spirit, exercising the gifts of the Spirit, and confident in the indwelling reality of God inside them, so that they don't need a Christian fix every now and then. They've got the God inside them every day, 24-7. They're confident in that, and they live from that. There's a summary. Okay, now one of the most important things I'm just going to do right now is actually that everywhere you find this happening in the New Testament, there's a gift that comes down. There are two, normally two, speaking in tongues and prophecy. So I just want to talk to you about speaking in tongues because I want you to get confident in leading people into the baptism of the Spirit and speaking in tongues because that is part of the gospel. It's not just an add-on, this is, this is part of it. Speaking in tongues, it talks about it as, as speaking in the tongues of, of angels. It's, it's literally you're learning to join in a heavenly language. Now, I suspect there are people here who are not confident in speaking in tongues, uh, let, let alone confident in leading other people into that experience. So I want to deal with that now. So if we bring up 1 Corinthians 12. So <clears throat> um, while I was in Bethel, I was speaking at this Heaven in Business conference, and there was a lovely lady there, um, and uh, she came up to me after one of the sessions. She said, oh, I've wanted to speak in tongues for 20 years, but it, it's never happened to me yet. Now, I said, <clears throat> so I said, oh, right, okay, well, should we sort that out? And uh, so I just chatted with her. I said, so do you want to speak? In yeah, I do want to speak in tongues. Now, she was stuck thinking it was something that was going to happen to her. Not somebody who's already within her. There's a difference. So I, I took her to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 says, These signs will follow those who believe. They will speak in other languages. It's, it's there. So it's, it's, it's not a debate whether it's, it's, it's there. If you believe, this is gift open available to you. So I said to her, So there it is. That's open to you. Now, my, I reckon your concern is whether you're making it up or not and whether it's genuine, whether you're getting it from the wrong source and stuff like that. Let's nail that with 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So now about... Gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to new titles. There's the, this concern of stuff, you know, you can be uninformed and worry where it's coming from. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And listen, this is more important. No one, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There you are, that, that, that makes it very easy. So I said to this dear lady, I said, do you want to glorify Jesus with your mouth? Do you want to proclaim the Lord? She said, oh, I so much do. I said, okay, you can't go wrong then. 
Because that's, that's evidence of the Holy Spirit. The motivation's good. Let's just get the practice into line, shall we? So I said, what I want you to do right now, I want, I'm going to stand here with you, and you're going to start making a noise. I said, oh, no, noise. <laughs> yeah, but what? I said, no, no, if you, you've already told me that you want it to glorify Jesus. I said, I don't care what noise it is. When my kids started speaking, I didn't say, I don't think that's English. <laughs> Let's have the genuine stuff, shall we? Excuse me, where did you get that from? Sorry, you can shut up until we got it properly right. It's English, you just keep quiet. No, they got, they got it by imitating. Sounds. So I, said, I said, I don't care, I'm going to speak alongside, I'm going to pray in tongues alongside you, I'll probably pray louder than you will, so you won't be heard by anybody, you don't need to worry about it. Let's make some sound together. So I did, and she did, and she started speaking tongues. No, it's as simple as that. Now, we're going to do this in a minute. I then said to her, I'm going to pray for you. And, and as I pray for her, the power of God fell on. And she went, ooh, ooh, ooh. She said, this, this, this has never happened to me before either. I said, no. Because, because, because she'd been locked up in thinking she had to do something for it, work at it, if something that would happen to her, that somehow she had to earn it, she had to... I said, this is yours as a gift. I said, right, I'm going to pray for you. Then I'm going to pray that this, this is not going to switch off. All night you're going to be praying in tongues. You'll be asleep, but your spirit's awake. And then tell me how it is tomorrow. Because you've got a, a devil out there who's going to try and rob you of this gift. Don't let him. Anyway, next day, she came in, happy, smiling. I said, how's it going? She says, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. She was locked up in work for 20 years. Hoping she, she was set free in an instant. So I want you to stand up with me and make some noise. In the spirit. Okay, we're going to pray. If you've got the gift of tongues and you're confident at it, just, just start to use it. If you're not confident, just start to make some noise. And as long as you want to glorify Jesus, it will turn into tongues. It is gift to use well and protect. There's power in it. It's a communication between heaven and earth. It's one of the things that will build you up more than any other. It's the gift that God has given to you to build you up, to strengthen you. Don't be frightened of it. It's genuine prayer. It's not make-up prayer. The Bible tells you you don't know how to pray as you should. Just start to do it. If you want to glorify Jesus, just go for it. When you lead people to Jesus, okay, hear me. When you lead people to Jesus, this is one of the evidences that you'll have, that they have the Holy Spirit inside them. And it'll be evidence for them as well. Right, you keep going, and now I'm going to pray for the power of heaven to be released into your lives. The miracles are going to happen in this place right now, because God is here. So you keep praying. Father, I release the fire of heaven in this place right now. The outcome of the gospel is the activity of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, right now, I pray, would you, would you release your fire in this place in greater measure? Father, we thank you that we have a river inside us. The Holy Spirit is deep inside us. This is the outcome of Jesus' work that we have God inside us. And wow, Father, I release the potential of that inner dwelling power of God in every life. Father, we're not just asking for a visitation from outside. We're releasing the habitation that is already inside us. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you have put the Holy Spirit inside us. You dwell in us. You're not just coming to visit on a Sunday. So, Father, we release the full potential of our Christianity through the power of the Spirit.